with me to the book of Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37 and just hold your place there because I need to open this thing up. Last week we started, uh, I prepared you for the new year when I preached a message called Assignments. And, and, and I was, can I be honest with you as pastor, I was uh, honored and amazed all at the same time how well you received that word. Because no one wants to be told to do more. Everybody just wants to do what they have to do. Nobody wants additional assignments. But the truth of the matter is, is that the church has become a culture of purpose rather than a culture of assignments. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Purpose is nothing more than the fulfillment of an assignment. Yet in the church, what we ask for all the time is, I want to know what my purpose is. Anybody ever ask that? I want to know what my purpose is. If you define purpose out of Webster's Dictionary, it is the finality of a process. I don't want to know what my finality is. I want to know what my assignment is. I want to know what my do is in the earth, not my finish outside of the earth. Because here's the truth of it. If I'm completing the assignment, then I know what the finish is. The only reason we search for a purpose is because we're not fulfilling assignments. The only reason we don't know where we're headed is because we're not doing where we are. And so we're going, God, what, what is it that you want? Or, we get, or I get calls, Pastor, can, I don't know what my purpose is, Pastor. Can you pray with me? Baby, I can't tell you what your purpose is because I didn't write your assignment. God did. And you got to get alone with God to find out what that assignment is. And this is what I've learned over the last few months, that we have been living in the culture of lackluster performance as believers because we have refused to accomplish or complete the assignments that he's given us. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That one right there alone is one we struggle with. Tell others about Christ. We struggle with that one. Pray. We struggle with that one. When I bring up 21 days of prayer and fasting, you should see the facial expressions. I mean, I see a face of rebuke. I rebuke those words. I am not going hungry. I am not. See, and it's what's, what's amazing to me is that we, we deem fasting as not eating. Fasting is not not eating. Fasting is sacrificing an area of your life so that you can put more God in that space. Sacrificing. That is what fasting is. God doesn't always require you to fast food. But when I say fast, everybody thinks I'm trying to make everybody starve. We live in Louisiana where you like to eat. Can I get an amen from somebody? Some of you are like, no, yes, you do. You lie. And that's why you cry when you eat your salads. I get you. I feel you. But I told you last week that this was going to be the year of completed assignments. This would be the year that you finally get a win. This would be the year that you finally walk in victory. Why? Not because God did something greater, but you finally did what he asked you to do a long time ago. That we've sat back long enough, and it's time to not accept but complete our assignment, not only as a church, but as individuals, that the season of unfulfilled purpose was over. I showed you that purpose is the fulfillment of the assignment, and that we've been searching for our purpose without completing it. But as I went home last week, God began to deal with me, and I told you, every message I preach in 2019 will have an assignment attached to it. Because I have figured out that the one space that I'm missing as pastor is it is one thing to declare the word. It is another thing to send you home to do the word. It is one thing for you to hear a message. It is another thing for you to go and apply it to your life and let the world see that the word is driving deep rooted in your system so that the world can see the manifestation of the God that you serve. And so as I went home, God began to deal with me what was missing in us in order to complete the assignment. What was amazing to me is I came over a certain scripture that was so simple. I've heard it a thousand and one times, but yet have missed one section of scripture, one section of verse that I missed. And, I, and it's because we have become a culture that is always looking for the promised blessings without the promise to do. We want the handout without the work. We, and and I'm, I said this last week, and, and I'm going to say this again, and, and this is unpopular teaching, but I am sick and tired and being sick and tired of people of, 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 seasonal, of seasoned behavior calling this thing a millennial issue. Can I just say this to you? Millennials exist because we quit teaching. Uh, can we prove it to you? The church is failing because we quit teaching. Believers are failing and falling off from their walk with God because we don't teach the word anymore. We teach emotion. We teach feel good and comfort rather than giving you the rawness of the word that came to change you, not to comfort you. Jesus did not come to play patty cake with your emotions. 
Jesus came to evict you out of them so that you could fulfill the purpose that he has for you in the earth. It is time for us to get over our corners of whining and complaining and sucking our thumbs. And just step up and say, you know what? This year, God, I'm not going to ask God to do a thing. I'm going to tell God what I'm going to do for him. Because this is what we've done now. We tell God where to go rather than tell God where we're going. We tell God, God, come to me. And the Bible never says, God's in, in all of Scripture, God says, come to me. But we flipped it because we think that God owes us something. Please tell me what God owes you. Because last time I checked, you were breathing and living and sitting in this room. He owes you nothing. Because you have life. How abundant that life is determined by what you're willing to do in this earth. I know. And before you get caught up and you go, Pastor, are you talking about works? The Bible says we don't need have to have works. Let me help you with something. Let me, let me help you with something. The Bible says, show me your faith, faith without works, and I'll show you my faith with works. It is not the actions that make God love me, but when my faith is increased, it gives me a greater desire to do more. When my faith is enacted, I have a desire to do more. I do not want to sit in another church service and, uh, and suck up the air and complain about what's being said from the pulpit. I want to receive. I'm ready to step beyond my existence. I'm ready to step into a place where God can use me in a vessel, not just in, in the church, but in my workplace, on the, in, in my family, at Walmart, in Starbucks, wherever you might go, that you're a vessel that he might use. No, I just want to exist and, and hopefully make it in the end. That's the problem. We spend too much time hoping today rather than having enough do in us to have enough faith that knows we're going to finish in the end. Let me give you the scripture. Psalm chapter 37. It says this. It says in verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and the wither and wither as the green herb. And all you're like, yes, God's going to kill my enemies. Everybody that's talked trash about me, they're going to die. Yes. I've been waiting for this moment, the smiting moment. Bears are coming out of the woods. Here comes Elijah. Yes. Everyone that's ever heard me. See, it's amazing what we read. It's amazing how we interpret scripture. It's amazing what we look at and we take the first thing that comes and we go, yep, that's it. That's all for me. Watch. It goes on. It says, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Verse 3, it says, trust in the Lord. Oh, help us. Trust in the Lord and do good. Oh, I can do good. Can I just say, can I, can I, can I translate that to you? Today's culture. Well, if I just do good, I'll make it into heaven. See, it's amazing how we translate scripture to meet us where we are rather than it causing us to meet God where he is. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Oh, I can dwell in the land. I'll go to church sometimes. Eh, when I, when I feel like it. I'll forget the scripture says, forsake not the gathering of the brethren in one accord. In other words, don't forget to assemble with other believers because it brings strength to your life. I, I'll, I'll dwell in the land. I'll exist. But you know the word dwell actually means to take root, <laughs> to be unwavering, to plant yourself. The problem is we don't plant ourselves anymore because the moment something's said in the church that we don't like, we uproot ourselves and walk out the door. Can I just help you with something? I did not. I was not created. I, 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 I am not. I'm more of a Paul than I am a Peter. Um, I, I was not created to be your friend and to make you feel comfortable. I was created to convict some areas in your life so that you might become greater in him, not greater in a church. Because when you're done, God's not going to get you in heaven and go, hey, what church did you go to? Because that determines whether you get in or not. God's going to go, what did you do with what I gave you? And did you walk out the door when you didn't like it, how comfortable it was? Anybody ever gone to the gym? Your fat ever cried? Mine has. Amen. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. I refuse. I quit. The only reason you quit is because you didn't want your fat to cry. <laughs> but if you stay in it long enough, your fat will cry enough that it'll stop crying. It'll get over itself. And it'll run away. It's amazing how that works. But we go to church and we expect the pastor to be like, oh, let me hold you. Let me cuddle with you. Let me, let me tell you how great you are. I'm not here to tell you how great you are. I'm here to tell you how great God is. Amen. To get you to go to another level. To get you to rise up in this hour and let the world see how big your God is, not how big your ego is. I told you 2019 going to be rough. Trust the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his what? So you mean he's already been faithful? So he didn't owe you anything. He said, feed on what he's already done for you. <laughs> We've been using this. I'm coming to church this Sunday because I need God to do something greater because he hadn't been faithful enough to me yet. He hadn't been faithful to you. Yeah. Are you crazy? Do you have enough boldness? And I'm editing there. 
to tell God he's not been faithful to you? No wonder you struggle walking with him. He said feed on his what? Faithfulness. Not feed on what he's still yet to do. Watch this. If you'd feed on his faithfulness, he'd blind you, blindside you with the promises he has for you. I'm going to tell you something. Some of y'all aren't even walking in the promises of God yet because you haven't fed on his faithfulness yet. Okay, sidebar. It says dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. I'm going to get to the good part of me. Pastor, come on, quit beating us up. I'm just trying to help you see scripture. Delight yourself. Oh, help us, Jesus. Um, um, Cain, come here for a second. I need you to stand right here, and I need you to demonstrate to the people what a delighted face looks like. Because you've seen it. Show me how a lot of church people look on a Sunday. Oh, no, no. I go sit down because now you're bothering me. He says, delight yourself what? In my stuff. In my wants, in my things, in my house, in my car, in my family, in my kids, in my this, in my money, in my this, in my that, in all the things of you rather than in him. Delight yourself in the Lord. Can I just say this to you? Your face would change if you finally found out who God was. Because ah, you can't have bad days knowing that you have a promise in the end. You go, I don't understand why I'm going through this, but there's a promise. There's a plan. There's a future. The Bible calls it even a hope. But he says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you what? Oh, oh, come in. Let me translate. Let me translate. I got to edit here for a second. You mean God's going to give me whatever I want? Yeah, he'll give you whatever you want. He'll give you whatever you want as long as your heart's in him. See, here's the crazy thing. You'll stop chasing worldly pleasures when you start chasing heavenly pursuits. And then your heart will start to desire different things. I've been homeless. I know what it is to sleep in a car. I don't desire big houses. Although you think you do, right? You're like, oh, it'd be great. Then you have to clean the thing. You're like, tiny house. Tiny house. We'll just shove them all in and we'll make it work. Tiny house. You get one set of clothes each. That's all you get. <laughs> For the rest of your life, one set of clothing. Till you move out. Do whatever you want to do, but that's all you get in this house. You get one plate, one fork, one knife, one spoon. That's up to you to wash it or not. Correct. Okay. This, is, this is that spot where we, we, we think all these things are going to make us feel better. Anybody ever wanted something and got it and it didn't satisfy? Hmm. It's amazing to me how we do that. We go, man, if I could just have this. And then you get it, and you're like, oh, I wish I'd have gotten something else. I wish, I'd have, I, wish I'd have, I wish I'd have spent my money somewhere else. I wish I'd have desired something else. Could you imagine if all the desires that you have for the world, you put into the things of God? Yeah. Could you imagine if instead of pleasing the world, you were pleasing God? Could you imagine how the world would look around you? Because if I was pleasing the Lord with everything that I am and everything that I do, I wouldn't be worried about what Facebook said about me. Amen from the back. Amen. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be worried about what people's opinions were. I wouldn't be worried about whether somebody liked my picture or not or commented on my stuff because my delight is in the Lord and my desires are in him and I am satisfied and I am well pleased and I am not worried about anything. I wake up in drama-free world. Oh, help us, Jesus. It's amazing how we look at this scripture. It goes on, it says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Listen, it says, but I, I, I need you to look at this one verse. This one verse, the only verse I want to sit on for the rest of this sermon this morning. This one verse, verse 5. Verse 5, this is the only thing I need you to look at. Because we, we, we've heard all the rest of the stuff. He'll give you the desires of your heart, delight in the Lord, do all these things. We always want the blessing. But here's where it comes down to. It all gets down to verse 5 where he says this, commit your way. To the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I love what the New Living Translation says. It says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Just for a few minutes, can I just preach to you a message called commit your way? Because I think this is where we're missing it. 
We've learned how to play church. We've learned how to smile. We've learned how to worship. We've learned how to sing. We've learned how to appear. We've learned how to disappear. We've learned how to play the game. We've learned how to do all the things. But the one area that tends to be missing in the church today is a place called commit. It's missing in marriages. It's missing in families. But it's even missing in the things of God. We're not committed to the things of God. We're committed to what benefits us. We live, we call ourselves committed to the things of God, but what we're really committed is God coming and giving us what we want rather than we finally giving God what he's always desired. Committing our walk, committing our existence, committing everything that we are to him. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. I, I was looking at this verse because I was like, you know, there's, there's so many translations of scripture today, and, and maybe somebody's going to use a different word because, you know, commit's a hard word. How, oh, Pastor, oh, I don't know how I feel about commit. I mean, I, you know, what, what if God doesn't do what I want him to do? What if he doesn't give me what I want? If I commit, then I'm, I'm, I'm borderline in covenant with him. And I don't want to commit on that level. I don't, I, you know, I've, been, I've lived my entire life. People have hurt me. People have disappointed me. And, you know, what's, what's to say that God won't disappoint me too? It's amazing how we'll take what the world has done to us and compare it to what God's already done for us. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And I looked to all these verses of scriptures, and I've looked at over 25 different translations, and the word commit came up every time. Never changed. I mean, I even looked at, like, Young's literal translation, like it's very basic English, and it still said, commit. God, give me an easier word. Give me something that's more palatable. Give me something that they can understand, that they can do. He says, no, I still say the same thing. Commit your ways to me, or choose you this day who you'll serve. It was always and will always be commit. Commit. But this word is not what you're thinking. He's not asking for your commitment. He's saying commit your ways. The word commit is defined as this, to entrust, to give over to, deliver or relinquish, to give into the charge of. Let me give that to you again. The word commit is defined as to entrust, to give over to, deliver or relinquish, to give into the charge of. And in order for us to fulfill and complete the assignments that he has for our lives this year, we must live committed. We must finally commit to the things of God. We must stop playing the game of church and just say, God, I give you my whole life, not the portions that I only want you to see. Not our Sunday attendance, not our religious thoughts or processes, but commit our ways, our direction, our path. The place that we're going is God-bound. It is not me-bound. It is not the Dean family-bound. It is not the House Slidell bound It is God-bound. My focus, my attention is on Him. I am focusing. I am lifting up my head, O ye gate, and seeing who this King of glory is, the Lord God, strong and mighty. I am not concerned by whether you get on or not. My path is straight it might be narrow jack but i got a future you ever felt like you were walking through life aimlessly i'm gonna give you why you felt that way because you lacked commitment because when you don't see the promise is when you have not committed in your heart to the things of god it is not commitment to church anymore it is not being committed to attendance on sunday the devil doesn't even care if you come to church anymore because what we do is we walk into church, sing for a few songs, listen to another sermon that was good preaching, and go right back out to the same lifestyle. We are not committed to change. We are committed to emotional touches. As long as the AC is good, the chairs are comfortable, the sound is not too loud, pastor is not too crazy. That's the church for me. I am not, I am not on the committed level of your appeasement. I am on the committed level of his. When I'm done in this race, what, who's, you will not be in heaven going, bro, come on in. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You're not the one that gives me access. So when I'm done on this pulpit, I have to walk away knowing that he is appeased. He is proud. He, I did what his assignment was for me, not for you. One of the hardest things to do as a pastor is to stand up here and preach and to know, to know without any shadow of a doubt that what I'm delivering is exactly what you need. When I haven't talked to you all week long, I have to put myself in him. 
I have to commit my ways to him so that he can speak to my ear, speak to my heart, speak to this being so that I can deliver a message that might take you to another level rather than just keep you where you've been. You have to commit your way, your direction, your path. Because if you want a God outcome, you have to make sure that he's on your path. It's amazing how many places we walk that God isn't. Let me ask you a question. Are there places that you go that God can't go? Pastor, God knows my heart. Can I just say this to you? You might not like this. might not be popular teaching, but I don't think God does. I don't think God does understand your heart when you go against him. I don't. You're all pastor. Don't be so tight. Why not? I don't think God gets it. I don't think God's sitting in heaven going, man, high five. Way to go. I think God's going, was I not enough? Was I not enough for you? Was my, was my price at Calvary not enough for you to change? What else do I need to do? What, how much more dancing do I have to do? How much more deliverance do I need to do in order to get you to finally walk this thing out? How much more times are you going to come running to me begging me to forgive you? Begging me, begging me, begging me. I was telling somebody this the other day. Greatest book I ever read is titled, this is the title of the book, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. Greatest book I've ever read. You want to know why? Because all he talks about is how many false conversions there are in the church today. We're converting based on fear. We hear that statement of, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? I come running to the altar because I'm afraid if I go to sleep tonight, I might not make it into heaven. Then I go home and go to bed and wake up. Do you think anything changed in my heart? No. Because I just got through the night. I'm going to go back to the same old life because... I made it. Amen. Look, I succeeded. That is not the fulfillment, the promise, the purpose of God in your life. It's to finish the race, not to finish a day. It's to finish what he's purposed you to do. And and for some reason today, we have gotten into this place where commitment or being committed is not something we're willing to live at. We just want the feel goods of church. We want to walk in, lift our hands, sing the songs, have an emotional moment, but walk out of here and cuss somebody out at Walmart. Y'all think I'm kidding? Be careful if you got a house sticker on you because I'm coming to look for you. If you got a problem with cussing folk out, flicking the bird, doing bad things, take the sticker off your car. I don't need that foolishness. One of your church members cuss me out there. No! I will come to your house at midnight hour with a razor blade. Whoop! Take it off. God is looking for commitment. Committed believers who will stand for him and with him no matter what. You will abandon sin. Abandon it. I'm not talking about tickle it. I'm talking abandon it. It's amazing how much we like to flirt with sin and still call ourselves saved. Uh, This gets into a lot of deep places. I got to be careful. No, I don't. The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? You know what death is? That's not physical death. Separation from God. Yet we'll still sin and still expect God to show up. It blows my mind. I don't get it. I don't understand why we've walked so far away from Scripture and then still call ourselves committed. Yeah, we're committed. We're committed to our own ways. We're committed to our own selfish desires. We're committed to our own wants, our own appeasements. We're not committed to what he wants in our lives. We're committed to what we want to feel in this lifetime. And so we will fight him to get what we want. And God goes, why? See, I really believe that I was talking to somebody. I said, you know that sin is a condition of a lack of commitment? Sin in your life is a condition of a lack of being committed as a believer. But committed to what? Committed to the heart of God. See, when I live as a believer, somebody said, what what defines sin? What makes sin sin? What is is sin and what is not sin? Okay, let let me just define it this way. Anything that could possibly grieve, disappoint, or hurt the relationship that I have with God, I consider sin. (laughs) And the way out of sin is what? Repentance. Now, this is not popular teaching in the church today because now we want to teach in the church the universalistic message that says that once you get saved, you just live saved for the rest of your life. You can go sin, do whatever you want, and God just understands. How many of of y'all are parents in the room? Do you understand when your kid lies to you the first time? How about the sixth time? Do you understand then? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't. Because there's a heart condition there. 
There's something missing in the relationship that needs to be corrected. There is something that is happening that is not creating a wellness between the two of us. And so there comes a point where I no longer understand. Now I am grieved because my son might be not telling me what is truth. And I maybe have done something or the relationship has been affected that he doesn't feel that he can tell me the truth. So now I'm affected. Do you think that God is not affected by you? But, but God understands. I don't think he does. I think he's waiting for you to understand. I think he's waiting for you to finally understand what the word has always been saying. It's never been changed. It's never been mistranslated. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It changes not. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that God is the word and the word is God. Why are we trying to change it? Commit to God. Commit to God. Stop committing to everything else. If you got to commit to everything else and not God, get rid of the everything else so that you can have the fullness of God. Yeah. Pastor, I don't, I don't know if I want to be on that level. That's just too much. It's too holy rollerish. I want the world to like me. The world will kill you and like you at the same time. They'll like you on Facebook one minute and then send a friend message to somebody else to talk about you while you're not looking. Amen. I know you don't believe it, but it's truth. And I'm going to just say this, 90% of that's just in the church. Oh, assignments, here it comes. I told you, buckle your seatbelt this year because I'm going to get us there. I'll say this real quick to you. God told me last week when I was preaching. He said, Brian, I need you to be more concerned or not be as concerned with losing sheep as you are gaining sheep. I'm not worried about numbers. I'm worried about you finishing. I'm not worried about whether we have the biggest church in Slido, whether you like what I preach or not. I'm worried about you finishing this walk. Because I'm going to tell you something. I think there's going to be people that I thought made it to heaven, and I'm going to see there. I'll prove it to you. The Bible says that these people, these people, these men and women of God, said, Jesus, have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not laid hands on the sick in your name? And Jesus looked and said, depart from me, you work of iniquity. What? I didn't even know you. Why does he say that? Why did he say, I didn't see you? Why did he say, because knowing requires heart condition. He said, I need to see your heart before I see your hands. Heart is commitment. Hand is just doing stuff. It's funny to me. We think that the more we do, God loves us more, that gives us greater access. No, God says, love me. Love me as much as I love you. Could you possibly love God as much as he loves you? Look at your marriage. If you don't reciprocate the same kind of love that's given out, it'll create a hardship in the marriage. The Bible refers to your relationship with him as a marriage. You're the bride. He's the groom. Why does he keep referring to these things like this? Because he needs you to understand that the relationship that is needed for you to finish this race is one of that is committed to the fullness of it till it's finished. Not one that is half committed until it doesn't go your way, but one that will fight even through the processes of life and stay in the fight to fight the good fight of faith and finish the race. If you want a God outcome, you better make sure that he's on your path. And if he's not, then you have to get off and find out where you went off. In this verse, David is urging believers to commit their way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Can I ask you this question? What is your it? What is the it in your life that you've been waiting to come to pass? Because I'm going to tell you the reason you haven't gotten it yet is because we haven't committed yet. We haven't committed yet. We're committed yet. We're, we're, we're existing, but we're not committing. Can, can I ask this question? And don't, don't get mad at me. Don't, this, this is a new year, right? New year. We're going to start fresh, right? We're going to start fresh? Amen. Praise God. We're going to start fresh. That's the way my right boy. That's my boy. How many of you haven't committed? Ooh. Yeah. Uh-uh, I'm not lifting my hand. Okay. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me find a good place to do this. Ready? Somebody want to join me now? Because I don't want to say it, because I've committed some of my ways. Now, he didn't ask for some of your ways. He said, commit your way. Everything. All. Nothing left. Commit. So let me ask you a question. How many of you haven't committed all the way yet? Because let me tell you something. There are things that we hold in reserve back from God because we don't want to give up everything. We tell God what he can have, and then we'll tell him what we can do. Why do you think your due is bigger than God's due? But here's the thing. He says, Trust in him also, or trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You notice he doesn't define it, because that's how God works. Because the it that he's referring to is bigger than what you could ever think or imagine. 
That is the Ephesians 3.20 God that you serve. He shall do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think according to the power that operates in you. The dunamis. That's what the refer word refers to is the word dunamis. It is an inherent power that he places in you while you're in your mother's womb. Before the foundations of the earth, he gave you this power. But he says, I'll do exceedingly abundantly all that you could ever ask or think according to the power that you are willing to operate and according to the commitment that you're willing to walk in. You will not get to the exceedingly abundantly, the it factor in your life until you are willing to commit every bit of your way to the Lord. Now, before any of you sit there and wonder why I raised my hand, is pastor in sin? Is he running away from God? No, there are areas in my life that God's still going, hey, will you please give up? Surrender it to me so that I can have my way in your life completely. Completely. That's that Enoch anointing. Ooh, y'all don't even know. Y'all like, what was Enoch who? That's a man who had about three verses in scripture. It says that Enoch was with the Lord and he was not. Why? Because he walked so close to God that he didn't need to die or anything. God just said, let's go. Could you imagine? Could you imagine I'm sitting here preaching one Sunday? Whoop. Where'd Pastor go? Ooh. But you know what's funny? Nobody desires that anymore. Nobody desires to be that close to God any longer. Because the truth of the matter is in the church today, we've evicted God. We've abandoned the Holy Spirit. And we've, we've devalued Jesus down to nothing more than a common man. And we still call ourselves believers. God, in his love for us, sent Jesus as the elder brother. If you understand Jewish culture, you'll understand that the responsibility of the elder brother was to retrieve that which is lost. The Bible says that Jesus came with the ministry of reconciliation. Reconcile us to what? Not to himself, but to the Father, to bring us home to God. To bring us back in right standing with God because we were a people of sin. We had abandoned the promises and the mandate that God had led for us. And so we walked away and God says, you know what? I'm tired of killing things to get attention. So I'm going to send flesh and bone to die to show them how much I love. But what is amazing to me today is that we have turned that into nothing more than a fictitious story of feeling. Eh, he died on the cross, so what? I said this in our staff meeting the other day. I said, I said, you know what's sad is that hell has only become a vacation spot for believers. We're not even afraid of hell anymore. Because we're not, even, we're, not, we're not even in awe of God any longer. We're just in awe of feeling a certain way. And hopefully, Pastor will say something that makes me feel good. Hopefully, the word will tell me something I want to hear rather than something I need to change. And we don't want to let that thing go because we're not willing to commit. And this is not to upset you. This is not to hurt you. And I hope to God those of you that are newcomers will come back next week and be like, God, I hope he'd be nicer. <laughs> this is, I'm not trying to hurt you, but somebody's got to speak truth. Amen. Somebody's got to call an ace and ace and a spade a spade. Stop mincing words. Stop mixing it around to make it feel palatable and comfortable. Sometimes it's not going to taste good. But it'll change you for a lifetime. What is your it? What have you been desiring God to do in your life that has not come to pass? Let me say this. I wrote this sitting, 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 trying to get a haircut this week. Amen. To commit is not suicide. But it's amazing how we think that it is. We think that once we commit, we have to give up us. That's all God wants is you. He wants you. Commitment is just being willing to live in his plan. It's not the jump. It's the decision to prepare yourself to jump. That's what being committed is. God never asked you to commit your hands or your feet, but to commit your ways, your path, or your direction. If you're on the right path or direction, you won't have to worry about what your hands and feet are doing. <laughs> you won't have to worry about whether you're in sin. You'll know whether you're in sin because Jesus would have walked away if you were. Because I promise you, you cannot mix Jesus and God in the same room and call it working. God will not live in your decision to be a sinner. He will live in your decision to repent of your sin and live with him. That's where God will live. God calls you out to live outside of your former nature. It's amazing to me how we think that God will just come make a home in our sin. God does not love you enough to live in your sin. He loves you enough to create a home that you can live outside of your sin. And you got to decide whether to move or not. You got to decide whether or not this is going to be for you or not for you. But let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you where we're headed. And I'm going to say this almost prophetically. We are headed to a situation in our culture, in our society, in our world that if you do not choose him, you will find out what it is to be without him. 
Because we are headed into a climate in the culture where we either choose God or we don't choose God. I'm telling you, without any reservation in my spirit, over my prayer time leading into 2019, you're going to watch churches of great effect begin to close doors and to fall apart because they have stopped declaring the word and they only declare emotion. It is not about the feel good. Read me in your word. It says that Jesus came to preach the feel good. Jesus flipped tables. What you doing if I come in here and start throwing chairs? Oh, we're out. Pastor lost his mind. He's going crazy. He ain't Jesus. But it's amazing to me. We got people who hop from church to church to church because it's uncomfortable. Baby, it wasn't meant to be comfortable. It was meant to change you. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. My God, that's craziness. He called people names. I mean, like, I'm not going to do that, but I'm just saying, like, he, he went after it. But now we've said, no, church has got to be comforting and loving. Jesus is love. And the Father's jealous. Pick which one. Because you're going to have to have both. You can have the love of Jesus, but you better understand the jealousy of the Father. You better understand his desire for you, and he will fight hell to get you. Prove it. He sent Jesus to take the keys from hell so he could redeem you. Don't think he won't take on your demons to get you back, but you're going to have to divorce them in order to get out of it. In order for us to see everything God has for us in 2019, it's time for you and I to commit. Make sure that we're on the right path. Stop asking God to come where we are and start going to where he is. We have Monday night prayer. Get to Monday night prayer. Oh, Pastor, I don't have time. You don't have time to pray? For real? Yeah, but I have schedules to keep. I got kids that are in school. Bring your kids. They might learn something. I stood up here, came in this morning, stood right there, watched my eight-year-old stand up here in worship with hands uplifted. Why? Because I pushed her into those elements. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they get older, they won't depart from me. Pastor, it's a Monday. It's the beginning of my week. It's the most chaotic day. Maybe your Mondays will stop being chaotic if you give them to God. See, people don't want to hear this anymore. They just want to hear me go, I understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how we keep walking away from God moving. We have, to, we have to confine it to a box so that everybody feels, no, God says, do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Pastor, you, he's, Pastor's lost his mind. He's doing what God told him. How's that losing my mind? That's gaining my mind because I lost my mind before I found him. Now I'm walking with him, and now I'm walking in him. And man, you, you crazy? I'm staying in this moment. You're not going to talk me out of this. I'm committed to him. I'm committed to his ways. I'm committed to his plans. I'm committed to his thoughts. I'm committed to his desires. I am abandoning what I want in order to get what he has. Committed believers will always conquer. Committed believers will always conquer. I'll say this again. Committed believers will always conquer. How many of y'all, real quick, Pastor Ben, come on. How many of y'all in this room have ever been in a moment of your life where you felt like you weren't going to win? Okay, watch. I'm going to mess with you really bad. The only reason that I begin to feel like I'm going to lose is because I forgot who my victory is in. The only time that I lose is when my eye comes off the prize. You might look at it as a setback. I look at it as a setup. You look at it as I lost something. I look at it as you gained something. Right. I, I love what people say. People, oh, I lost everything, Katrina. You know how much I gained out of Katrina? Yeah. That, that beautiful thing sitting on that front row came out of Katrina. It took a Katrina to bring me a Tiffany. Praise the Lord, somebody. <laughs> She's making faces at me right now. She, that's why I'm looking over here at you, Pastor Donnie. It took a Katrina to bring four beautiful children into my life. Who love God. Sitting in the car with my son yesterday, and, or was it two days ago, we were talking about what he wants to do with his life. He goes, Dad, I, I really don't know what I want to do. I don't, he's like, I don't even know if I want to go to college, Dad. I'm like, okay, I hear you. You're 11, calm down. <laughs> I said, well, well, what do you want? He goes, I really don't know. And we joke about, you know, he's 11, right? He's going to be a YouTuber. He's going to make millions of dollars and play video games the rest of his life. That's going to be his existence. Praise God for him. And then I just quietly on the inside laugh. 
because I know there's greater in him. So we're sitting in the car, and he's just talking, and he's just like, I'm just not sure what I want to do. And on the inside, I want to scream out, man, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're because I'm his dad, right? And then God says, be quiet. He said, because I am speaking to him, and he doesn't even know it yet. You know what's funny is my son is sitting in my office right now watching while I'm preaching. He's not feeling good. He said, Dad, can I sit in, can I sit in your office and watch service? Because we have it streamed live into my office. And I said, yeah. I said, if you don't want to watch, it's okay. I don't feel like you have to. But he's like, no, I want to. And so he's hearing this for the first time as I'm preaching this. He said, I'm declaring this. He said, in that car, God's already started speaking. But the only way he'll ever fulfill his purpose in the earth, his plan, his assignment, is if he commits his ways to God. Not to his dad. My son, my daughters, both of my boys don't owe me a thing. I'm going to make sure that they give God everything. So that when I'm done, when God says, what did you do with the four kids I gave you? I'm going to go, I gave them back to you. Because I committed my ways as a father to understand that I am only, I am only here to be a steward of what you created. See, when people ask me all the time, are you, his, are you their daddy? I'm their daddy. But really, in all honesty, he's their daddy. I'm just a steward. I get to spend 18 years of their existence saying, son, daughter, walk in the way. Stay with him. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. Stay with it. Finish the race. I have no fear in me that if and when I die, that I will see my children again in heaven. Do you know why? Because I know where my path is, and I know what I've committed to. And God said, if I commit my ways, what does he say? Watch. What does he say? He says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That it for me? is my family finishing the race. My it for me is you finishing the race. I said this years ago, and this is where I'm stopping. I said this years ago. I give up the house. I give up the mansion. I give up the streets of gold. I give up anything God has for me, the crown, the robe, whatever the Bible says. I give all that up. I've asked God for this, and I've been asking for this for the last seven years. God, when I die, can you just reserve for me a place in the throne room? all I want. Can I just have a corner in the throne room? Because I want to watch them come home. I want to stand there and rejoice as people walk into heaven. That's all I want. I've even told God, God, I, you know, Chip and I have talked about it, it's like, are we going to know each other in heaven? I don't know. It doesn't say. Be cool, but we might not. She's like, you better not go find nobody else up there. I said, I'm not. <laughs> Hold up. Don't you go picking up nobody else. No, nah, man. That woman will come to heaven and cut me. You crazy? <laughs> I married an Italian Polak, but she'll kill somebody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if my kids will recognize me. But I've asked God if I could just for a moment recognize them. See, that's the commitment level. I will commit everything in me to walk in everything of him. It is that commitment level, and I promise you this, it is that committed to the ways of Christ that brought me her. I didn't find her. God brought her. I promise you. Tell, ask me later, I'll tell you the story. It's a cool story. I was a little bit of a diva, and I went to a salon to get my hair cut. Amen. Hey, God will lead you places. Amen. But what I'm saying to you is that when you commit your ways, he'll lead you in places and bring the it to you. You won't have to chase it anymore. Some of y'all have been chasing it for a long time. And the reason you've been chasing it is because there's no commitment yet. And I'm telling you today, 2019, the first Sunday of 2019, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to you. Everybody stand to your feet.
Did you get anything out of the word this morning? Do you feel challenged? Do you feel hurt? If you do, I can't help you, amen. You have to talk to the Lord about that. Listen to me as I close real quick. I promise you that in 2019, every message won't hit this hard. But God has told me how I spend the first month of this year will determine how we end in December. And I am so uncomfortable right now, it is not even funny. Because the things that God is speaking to me are not easy to stand here and declare. But what I have to maintain is my commitment to him. If everybody in this room walks out the door and says, nope, not this place. I still have to know that I did what he told me to do. Because he's the one who called me, not you. And my prayer is that you will take that same thought process in your walk. That it is not I, the pastor, that has called you, but God has. And that this year you're going to commit, not to spotlights or to ministries or this or that, but commit to your assignment and fulfill it. Don't just do things to do things. Do it with passion. Do it with a promise at the end of it. Do it with a purpose. I'm not looking for treasures. I'm looking just to hear his voice. That's all I want. That's all I want for my kids. That's all I want for you. So I promise you at the first Sunday of this year, I promise you that in 2019 we will hear the voice of God. I promise you. I promise you that we will see signs, miracles, and wonders. For the Bible says that signs, miracles, and wonders follow those who diligently seek his face. There's the commit. I'm not going to ask God to do one more thing until I've done what he's asked. I'm not going to ask him to bless me. I'm not going to shift this or do that. I'm not, I'm not begging. I'm not freaking out. God, I trust you. I'm going to do what you've asked of me, and I'm going to trust you through the rest of it. Commit your way. Commit your path. If he's not on your path, get on the right path today. If you're standing in this place. Say, Pastor, I'm not committed. I'd like to say I am, but I'm not. And I need to get committed today. Will you do me a favor? Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get committed today. I'm going to commit today. I got staff that's raising their hands right now. Come on. I already did this. That's why I'm, I'm, I can, I, if you want me to lift my hands, I'll do it too. So here, here's that hard part. You ready? Here's that hard part. The person, part the church always hates because it's that next step of it. Commit doesn't mean he moves. Commit means you move. You're standing in this place and say, Pastor, I've got to commit to the things of God this year. Will you just come to the altar real quick? Will you just come to the front and say, I'm committed? That could be you could be saved for 20 years. I don't care. You could have been in church longer than Jesus has been. I don't care. Say, I'm committing this year. See, what you don't understand is right now, people are watching on Facebook from all over the United States, and they're watching a church that's going to commit to God more than they commit to a church. More they commit to a preacher, more they commit to another sermon, they're going to commit to the things of God. More than anything else, they're going to commit to the things of God. If your mouth is outside the things of God, get it right. If your hands are outside the things of God, get it right. If you've got sin in your life, ask God to forgive you and abandon it. With, all, with everything on it, just abandon it. I'm running like you know what from it. I'm not going to live in that space any longer. I'm asking God to change everything in me. See, this is, this is that hard part. You ready? This is the hard part. It's that hard part. Because sometimes I don't always see what I want to see or I don't see the movement that I want to see. But I'm trusting that this whole room is declaring the same thing. That we will be a people committed to God. That we will be a people committed to God. But I will promise you this. If you do not commit this year, you will not walk in the fullness of God. I promise you. And what you thought was the fullness all this time was just a glimmer of everything he has for you. 
God is saying, commit your way. And I'll bring it to you. So do me a favor while you're standing here. Close your eyes for just a moment. Because this is the other part of this call. There are those of you in this room that are standing at this altar right now that do not have a relationship with Jesus. I know it. I sense it. I feel it. Whether you've never received him or whether you've walked away from him, doesn't matter. God says today is the day. Today is your day of intervention. Today is your day of assignment. Today is your day of a divine encounter. Today is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And before you leave this place, you're going to rejoice and be glad about it because your name's about to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You stand in this room right now. You stand in this altar or you stand in your seat right now. You say, Pastor, I need to give my life to God right now. I don't want to wait another minute. Will you just do me a favor and raise your right hand and say to me, Pastor? I got to give my life to him right now. I got to give my life. It's okay. This, this is not a failure. This is a change. I got to give my life. I'm just going to give my life right now. Maybe I've done this a thousand times. You might have asked God to do this a hundred times in your life. There's a difference with this one than at any other time. Because you finally get it. Because you're going to commit the things of God. It is easy to live as a believer when you're committed to the things of God. Okay. For those hands that are lifted, Father, I thank you for every hand that is lifted in this moment. I thank you for every life that is represented by those hands. And I thank you in this moment. Hell has lost and heaven is won. I thank you that in this moment, heaven just got its greatest victory because these people have come home. So, Father, I thank you that your love will endure them, will subdue them and reign upon them, that you'll embrace them and hold them, that they are not failures, they are victors in you. For they have declared today that their victory is in you. Father, I thank you for their lives. And I thank you that today they receive you into their hearts so that you can do your greatest work in them. Father, for those that are standing up here that said it's my season to commit. Father, I knew you told me to preach this word, although I struggled with it. I knew you told me to declare this word. And so, Father, I'm believing that this will ignite such an amazing passion and pursuit in this house. That when, God, you tell us to do things within the church, there will be no begging and barring for people to come. People will come because of the passion on the inside of them because they are committed to you. Not committed to the world, not committed to a local church, but committed to the things of you. But, God, we need your help because committing is not easy. When the world tells us to commit to everything else. So, Father, help us. Speak to us. Let your Holy Spirit dwell among us. When we have a desire to get off track, Father, correct us. When we don't seem to see clearly, God, wipe the scales from our eyes and cause us to see it the way you see it, not the way our flesh sees it. Help us, God, to choose you so that we can walk together. Today, God, this house, this family commits itself to your way, not our way, knowing that the final outcome is that you will bring it to us.